0: This week, we were going to do a kind of tech roundup of interesting tech news that people have found that caught their interest or relevant to the discussions. Yeah, cool. Okay. But we can go around and everyone can introduce themselves.
1: Okay. All right, I'll, I'll go first. I'm Heather Gore. Hi, how's it going? Hey, I'm Dan Seal.
0: And I'm Isham. I don't need a
2: last name.
3: No, no I'm last like, name. He's- I'm like Sharon Madonna. I like it. I like it. Of <laughs> the, the tech world.
2: Don't want anybody to find out who you really are. Is that a pseudonym? Is that a real name? I podcast by night. And
0: I'm Harrison Roberts.
2: And we are Deep Geek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't compose a theme music. We're not yet. ready
0: yet. <laughs> I'll find something uh, you know, non proprietary. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> R- Royalty free, that's the word. Yeah. So I can kick things off in terms of, you know, news that I found interesting. Um, I was out at Supercomputing 2017 uh, last week and went to the Hyperion IDC briefing. And one of the items that they had brought up was that Germany has drafted the world's first uh, ethical guidelines for self-driving cars. So they had kind of a deeper discussion about one of the, the barriers they see to greater adoption of AI is transparency that a lot of the the code sort of is uh, self-generating and uh, machines sort of teaching themselves and so you lose a transparency of sort of what rules are they actually following it becomes harder and harder to dig into the code bits and figure out all the details of it especially when it's self-generating and so Germany created this uh, ethical guidelines kind of putting people first and um, in self-driving cars there's a lot of ethical dilemmas that cars have if if there's uh, a catastrophic situation of like do you take out the driver do you take out you know two kids on the sidewalk or uh, another another driver coming in the other lane there's all these kind of ethical decisions that have to get baked into the algorithms and when deep learning is self-generating algorithms you lose transparency as to actually what the priorities are from the computer
3: interesting so you're basically talking about the asimov laws for driving
0: (laughs) yeah and they would would, buy auto (laughs) one of uh one of the um tech companies was saying that they were going to uh, adopt a survey-based approach. And so they put a survey out uh, to users to kind of priority rank people.
1: Like, like the <laughs> island or whatever? Like,
0: <laughs> this turned out as bad as oh, you man. would expect. where
1: <laughs> Right, like do you get the old lady or the little girl?
2: Yeah. Or like, you know, like, so was it incredibly racist and sexist? And it was. Yeah, it was it ranked
0: hell. like old people
2: and women like last
0: And like property, property, and you know, the car itself, like above that. So you get kind of perverse rankings when you just put it out to the general public.
3: So, so that's an interesting thought though, because if the car itself is now part of that equation when do the insurance companies mm. kick in? Because uh. I can
1: guarantee you, whatever... Self-preservation. Yeah you, know,
3: yeah, you know, Germany can say whatever they want, but if I'm in a car accident and I'm okay and everyone else is okay, what's going to determine how much I get back from the insurance company? You know, mm. if, they, if they say, oh, you didn't use our rules, you used uh, the, mm.
2: the, the yeah. German rules,
3: so you're not going to get face value for your car anymore.
2: Interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Huh. I wonder, though, if... Um... The ethical guidelines are actually goodness. Would that make you want to buy a German car more than uh, a car where the ethical guidelines that are in it are more evil slanted?
2: Sure.
3: (laughs) So, but who determines if it's good or evil? I mean, you know, it's it's Professor Xavier. But, you know, just like any type of you know right. embedded software might get changed coming across the border, I'm thinking the same thing might be said about any rule sets that would be applied to vehicular uh,
0: cognizance. Maybe it's yeah. something that you can set your own preferences, like don't hit the squirrel or hit the squirrel.
1: <laughs> yeah, personalized ethics for your driver's car.
3: I mean, I, I remember, and this oh. is this is all stories back from junior high, so I mean, take this all with a grain of salt. But actually, I, I I know people I can ask to see if this is true or not. But the rumor mill back in the day was that when you're driving, when you're hauling freight, right? You're a truck driver, mm-hmm. and you know if you see someone who's asking for help or anything like that the guideline that you know, again, we're kids, we don't know any better, is to ignore them because, it depends on where you are on the road, because a lot of times that's bait to get your attention to pull over, mm. then your car gets stolen, You're, mm. basically your haul, right? So, ah. do those come into play? right Ooh, that's
1: even more complicated yeah, yeah that's like you have to do some extra training and uh, you know exactly parameters
3: right. you know state, it,
1: state management like it, if the person on the side it, of the road is wearing this color or
2: you know because, uh, in this if three people are wearing ski masks you know, <laughs> well yeah that's clearly
0: <laughs> unless you're on the mountain
2: yeah i don't know how much training data there is for like identifying axe murderers on the side of the road yeah <laughs> but if it's autonomous who cares <laughs>
0: True. Right. There's no one to kill in that case.
1: It'll keep learning. We need to teach it. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. So then you'll never get anyone stopping in like, you know, colder climates because they all have ski masks.
2: <laughs> it good. is interesting, though,
0: because um, a lot of the the thought is that trucks would be first in terms of what gets autonomous vehicles because there's so much good ROI in terms of how many Mm -hmm. miles they drive and, and the the haul that they're bringing the tonnage. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Plus highway driving tends to be more predictable and more, you know, easy, easy to model than Mm -hmm. than city driving in a lot of cases. Uh, But what I was going to say is that another kind of related thing is how, what are, are there, are there bigger challenges in uh, the AI machine learning for Self-driving cars in situations that happen less frequently. So, are there are there certain situations where they just don't have enough training data, even with all the miles, and miles of driving that they've done around all these cities to collect this data? Like, um, where are the places where there's just freak things that happen very rarely and are hard to to model? Was there any discussion about that?
0: Uh, there was not. There, there's still. It looks like from the ethics commission at the German Ministry of Transport and Digital Infrastructure. Um, pretty high level. It's just 15 rules. So it's sort of like Asimov's rules, but times 15 uh, to make safety, human dignity, personal freedom and personal freedom of choice and data autonomy a priority.
2: What's human dignity mean? Does that mean don't roll down the windows while you're taking your pants? (laughs) I mean
0: dignity of human life, but it it could Uh, be avoiding embarrassment of like Boy, that guy really can't drive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. Take me to my to my mistress's house. I'm sorry, Hal. That <laughs> <laughs> <It> is unethical. <laughs>
0: that, that would <laughs> have, have saved many people's careers. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: it silently judges you as a driver. Exactly.
1: Like I don't want that kind of car. <laughs> Judgy car.
3: <laughs> but it's interesting too, because what if you don't fall as a driver in the priority? Right. You know, what if you are an elderly person who the car deems as not as important as, <laughs> you know, the, the pillar of society that happens to be crossing the street?
1: Yeah. Ooh, then is <laughs> it, I'll always it travel with yeah.
3: someone
0: that would rank higher.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That means I'd have to travel like lumber yeah. <laughs> and like resources. <laughs> and a bag of cash. <laughs> it's like getting to the HOV lane
0: like this is a tricky intersection I better bring someone really like valuable so that
3: <laughs> get in here Stephen Hawkins <laughs>
2: I gotta go to the pub
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: so this is gonna turn into some sort of black mare situation where everyone has a value rating value yeah that's it. What... <laughs>
1: You're not worthy. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting though. Like, how much self awareness is the car? The, is the car sacrificing itself in a lot of cases? I mean, because you you know, if you're like, does it know to sacrifice it, itself? Exactly. I guess. I, yeah. I think
0: so. I mean, per the ethics guidelines, you have to put humans first. So property or you know if it's a truck mm. that has a lot of valuable cargo um per these laws at least in germany would be lower in the priority than any human life so if it has to swerve and fall off a cliff to avoid hitting a jaywalker then
2: so be it
1: even if there's a human in the car that's clearly going to die when you get to the bottom of the cliff
0: <laughs>
2: oh, well that complicates things yeah what about decisions that are made to the detriment of the driver because everyone Right. Like, if your car is about to drive into, you know, a crowd of 20 children um, that just jumped out in front of it, uh, or it could swerve off a cliff and kill you, you know, people would still want the car that's going to save their own life twenty which I think relates to the yeah. <laughs> No, like
1: twenty kids, man. I don't know. Like I yeah, it's not your fault, it's the car, right? <laughs> That's, true.
2: That's true. That's true. But it, it's, fault it's of interesting that though that because uh, the kids, right? So drivers, sort of like,
0: drivers make these decisions every day, um, just right. unconsciously. And so yeah. when you actually have to codify <laughs> them and put them in software. And I think the objection that, that was raised at this conference was that these aren't conscious decisions that someone's programming into it. It's through deep learning uh, kind of learning the rules of the road and making these ethics decisions on its own, if right? You know. Yeah.
3: And there's and there's another question too. Do I want a car that taught itself the rules of the road, or do I want to teach it the rules of the road? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because then you want
2: a... to drive like you, or do you want it to yeah, exactly, drive like right. the millions right. of other people that drive
3: around? <laughs> was like it I...
0: was it trained in Boston or New York streets? Because then <laughs>
3: <That> <laughs> was it tra- trained in a parking lot over here, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, then you it don't want it at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, Cause you
0: cause... want like a super polite kind of environment where everybody just sits at a four-way stop for like an hour. <laughs>
3: because <laughs> you can you can think this might be uh, like another area of like you know a, an entrepreneurial person could think of this as an area to create their own business right you know either to validate uh you know the you know the algorithms of your car or like you know, you know, Sham Enterprises makes algorithms for your cars, right? Here's a good one for Germany that abides by the German laws. But if you're in Canada or U.S., here's laws for that. If you're in, uh, you know, Japan, here's a, a rule set for that, right? And they all have, depending on the country and the requirements and everything there. the culture. And the culture, That's exactly, the, yeah. wherever you mm-hmm. hit, you know. Exactly. Yeah, you know, maybe 20 kids here is not the same value as 20 kids somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so maybe you model it after sort of exemplars of of really good drivers, people that never get tickets and that sort of thing.
1: But yeah, like you said the insurance companies probably will have their own ideas of what that Oh yeah. Means.
3: and 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 if the, and if the insurance companies dictate that they're not going to insure cars that don't have their own system mm-hmm. Then, you know, everything else is just pretty much, you know, it's nice to have, but, you know, mm. I can't drive unless I use, uh, you know, uh, you know, Geico's uh, deep learn, uh, you know, driving algorithms. Yeah, interesting. They avoid geckos, but all animals are fair game. Or something. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually brought up another point, which is talking about people who never get tickets, um, are the guidelines or rules of the road or norms based on legal rules of the road or the behaviors that people take, right? There's a lot of times when what's actually codified in law is not necessarily what everyone follows. Like with speed limits, for example, the norms tend to be in a lot of, in a lot of situations on highways, the norms tend to be, you know, driving a certain amount faster or, you know, a lot of times people don't even know what the speed limits are. And I'm wondering, I'm curious how current ADAS technologies, um, Treat speed limits in other roles, other rules right because they they have the capability to maintain a certain speed um, or to follow cars right. Do they try to obey speed limits? Do they have awareness of speed limits? Does anybody know? How know that actually, works?
0: yeah, I don't know if ADAS just sees other cars and just kind of follows the general cloud of the cars, or if it can, through pattern recognition, object recognition, recognize sound signs and see what they actually say.
3: Well, I mean, also, I mean, if it's, I'm assuming the cars would have GPS, if, right? right? If GPS, yeah. Yeah. GPS yeah. usually has the yeah. you know speed mm-hmm. limit, so that how it can get your ETA. I'm I'm thinking, yeah. But even then, I don't want a car that drives a speed limit.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and also, if if all cars drove the speed limit, it might reduce traffic. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. But a, a good point you made, uh, Dan, is about knowing, like you know, when the rules of the road are a detriment, like. It takes two bad drivers to have an accident, right? You know, you know, if you're a good driver, you can see the bad driver coming and try to avoid it, even though it might cause you to break a law kind of thing, right? You know, if you're driving uh, down and you see a car coming at you at the wrong way or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. What happens? First, you recognize that, oh, this car is coming at me. And then, yeah. so what's next? Honk your horn. Honk, honk the horn. Flash your lights. <laughs>
2: So so okay so so then that could be, gets built in right you know, Try so, to identify if their behaviors changed at all <laughs> and, and then, then not then, get out of it <laughs> and then after that you know you swerve right yeah into twenty kids
3: because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my Tesla well.
0: now <laughs> does anyone else have a, a tech topic for
1: I, I just got a robot doing a backflip that's all I got did you see a oh, robot that did the, the backflip Boston, uh, yes yay, yay, yay. I did see that. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I just, I liked, I saw the headline, um, one small backflip for a robot is one giant leaping backflip for humankind. So I like that. <laughs> no, I just thought it was pretty good. As a former gymnast and cheerleader, I must say that's also really good form. So, like, they really taught us that this is good. It was good. Yeah. Like, that's the perfect form. Like, I would show somebody how to do a back That's exactly what you need to do.
0: Even so with, uh, with a big battery backpack on it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty hardcore.
0: Did you see um, Elon Musk's retweet of that? No. He said that this is nothing. He said in, in five or ten years, you'll need a strobe light to be able to even see it coming. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> –
2: that's funny. He oh, yeah, always says things like that. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. like, sees a bit <laughs> today
0: backflipping, tomorrow Skynet backflipping.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, technically, th- the backflipping the robot would be the Terminator. The self-driving car would be Skynet. Mm. Right. Chill. If we wanted to get our sci-fi engine green in order,
1: <laughs> very important.
0: But the the backflipping does bring up an interesting aspect in that even before that, the prosthetic limbs, some runners with prosthetic limbs can run faster than regular runners, and so we're getting to a point where machines can outstrip human capabilities by quite a bit. <laughs>
3: Reminds me of when uh, when they were they were showing those uh, you know the, the people with the, the the blades, I guess they are, you yeah, know, and how fast right. they. Compared to to other people, and there's always that motivating uh, code, and like you know, you know, look at this person, they're running, and what's your excuse, right? And there's always one at the bottom. Yeah, my legs hurt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so yeah, so when so the question becomes in if we're gonna get all this, uh, well, are we talking about? cybernetics as in the replacement limbs or are we talking about cyber enhancements like exoskeletons which which uh, which dystopian future do we go down
0: well the enhancement it would be like the least dystopian because then we're we're augmenting ourselves to like a transhumanism. Now we're we're much more capable. We're not being replaced. We're being improved. So you would think of it as like a less dystopian future.
2: Well, that's the path that we've always been down, though. Like all of our technology that we use today augments our life in some way, right? It's just maybe not necessarily implanted into us. But yeah, Dan's wearing glasses I'm wearing right glasses now. glasses right now. That's a cyborg, cybernetic enhancement. <laughs> and I normally wear contacts, so you don't even see it. I'm wearing it. And my this heels. Implanted in my yeah. eyeball, right?
1: I'm wearing high heels. That's like classic enhancement right yeah. <laughs> well the other thing I thought was nice about the backflipping robot is for a change they weren't pushing it around and like hitting it with hockey sticks and everything like I always feel bad they always do the bus, and I think they're hilarious oh <laughs> but at the same time like what do you, what do you expect the, of course the robots are going to take over they're getting pissed they're like waiting all this time we're abusing them they're going to get mad <laughs> so
2: I'm going to take the counterpoint to that because I think it's ridiculous when people like humanize them and, them and say oh these robots are being abused I think <laughs> it's hilarious
1: it's really funny it's, I do think it's funny so, like, for people to, like, if feel they're learning, more than if they about. are learning. We were just talking about how these cars are going to be so smart that they're going to avoid things. You don't think these robots have feelings? and? You know, <laughs> do they
2: Not yet. Clean? Not yet. I mean, uh, maybe they do. We're but. still working on that. Robot emotions <laughs> long, are a whole other topic for
3: another day. <laughs> as, long, as long as that emotion isn't vengeance, I think we're okay. <laughs>
2: Not yet.
1: Yeah. They keep hitting them with hockey stick.
2: Obviously, the reason that people do that is to demonstrate, like, the... Agility and their re- resilience to, you know, like shocks on on the system. It's not to not to, not to say like, hey, look, yeah. this robot. Because <laughs> <Like, yeah. laughs> no matter no matter how awesome like, someone is,
1: hilarious.
3: Yeah. yeah, hey, look, He Shams a ninja, and they start pushing me around. Like. Yeah. I would do
2: that if you were a ninja, and then you yeah. can land on your feet, right? But what about yeah. my feelings as a ninja? You'd be <laughs> probably showing off how ninja-like you were. I only
3: have so many smoke bombs, and. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I would try to push him and then you'd appear on the other side of the room. Like, how'd you get there? And it's just like, Dan, what the hell, man?
0: <laughs> the, the navy had this uh, contract that they had put out for a, a humanoid robot that could climb ladders, open doors, and throw fire extinguishing grenades on like navy ship. How much money were they offering? It was, I'll, it was I'll substantial.
3: A robot. <laughs> <laughs> I am here to climb your
0: ladders and throw. <laughs> Just get a bunch of silver paint and.
3: Why does he look like the Tin Man from Oz? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but
0: apparently, it's like kind of a Gen One Terminator type thing because they can replace. The fire extinguishing grenades with other grenades. Don't
2: extinguish extinguish.
0: Yeah. extinguish not fires but lives.
2: No, they now promised they would the only ethics. use it for firefighting purposes. <laughs> That's what they said. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this is the
3: whole uh, you know boardroom scene in RoboCop where they uh, they have to <laughs> put down the gun. You have five seconds to comply, and the guy puts down the gun. <laughs> you have four seconds. No wait, No, I don't have a gun anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you know there you end up with this lowest common denominator. Like you were saying before. Mm-hmm. with... uh, like Geico writing the ethics rules like you can maybe have some altruistic like let's build the the three laws of robotics into military robots and someone will take a lower road you'd think that would start to dominate over time
2: let's say you have all the exact perfect best moral rules for all your robots and your self driving cars and everything what about the issue of kind of measuring how accurately they're carrying them out right you could say oh this robot has been behaving exactly as ethically or this car has been behaving exactly as ethically as all these rules state but is it really, or are you just mis-measuring uh, the efficacy of it? Right. So that's something that's been in the news lately, the war against ISIS or the bombings that we have in the Middle East uh, from drone strikes, they've been saying it's the most precise you know, military operation like, of all time. But recently, there's been a New York Times investigation actually identifying that rather than 0. 0.6 or whatever percent of these drone strikes killing civilians, it's actually one in five in the sample sets they looked at. Um, And it's really just that they're they're hitting the targets very precisely, but they have uh, misinformation about who it is that they're actually targeting. Um, So you can have all the ethical rules you want, but you also need the proper uh, evaluation criteria for what how those how they're actually being carried out. Right, interesting. That's an interesting point too, because who's liable? Right. Right. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> right now, yeah. no, nope. It's like the only uh, exactly.
3: reporters have yeah. discovered is the U.S. government. <laughs> is Walmart going to uh, now? If it was an autonomous driver, right? Is Walmart going to accept responsibility, or the person who grew it, developed the algorithm take responsibility? And if it's right. deep learning, then it's, there's no person who developed the algorithm. It's, yeah.
2: Huh. And even in these human cases, um, there's still so issues of, well, that truck driver was driving for so many hours without sleep because that's yeah. the requirements that are put on him by his company. right? So there's always, even in human cases, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty about how much liability lies in different parties. Yeah. Uh, and that probably only gets exacerbated when there's... Uh, a robot that's making decisions <laughs> exactly. and various people that are involved in defining how, what and how that robot makes those decisions.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, constraints and stuff. So there's many parties in that.
3: Yeah. I think the big one is going to be financial though, right? Uh-huh. You know, who's willing to, who is going to accept the financial responsibility? Uh, who's going to pay for it? You know, who's going to get the insurance? It's all about the money. And I think that's going to dictate what the rules will be if, you know, it becomes widely accepted. And I think
1: those are the cases I always like thought about that throughout. I mean, being a scientist, like how much are we at fault for something that we built or like an engineer? Like if, if you build a bridge and it falls down, is that, do you get sued? Do you go to jail or whatever? Like now, yeah, I mean, I, I do deep learning. I made an algorithm. I trained an AI. Like I'm the only one there that did that. Like, I guess that, I mean, I didn't do it purposely. I didn't do it, you know, Poor, I don't know. I but didn't hurt somebody, but exactly, yeah. Yeah. and it's would, not
0: the car. I would disagree though, because I think that in the absence of sort of government regulations or, or external rules, I think you're correct that the sort of most efficient solution or most financially optimal, where the finances are like your goodness function for measuring success, um, I think that would otherwise rule unless you have regulation. So it's similar with like environmental stuff where default would be, well, let's just pollute because it's an externality. Regulations are things that sort of rein you back in from what might be the manufacturer, the most optimal solution, maybe a suboptimal solution but better for society as a whole because you're not measuring these externalities of like the 20 kids in the school bus. So I think that's where regulations have to step in and, and provide a different goodness function. But
3: will they? I agree with you that they should, but I don't know if they ever will because now you're asking a politician to go on the record and say, these people are more valuable than these people. <laughs> there goes my votes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. Well,
3: you
0: know? unless he's saying the cargo of the truck is more valuable than, than 20 children. So I don't think any politician would. Go on the record that way. No, but
3: so, so if, if I was, if I was to play devil's advocate and take the the role of the person who wants to have the the cargo, I could argue. Well, I mean, yeah, those twenty children don't, you know, that's horrible. Of course, it's they're more difficult than a cargo. But how many people would die if they didn't get my cargo? Right, I'm delivering goods to all over the world, and this is food and necessary for life, and. You know, medical
0: supplies. yeah
3: these are medical supplies so you know you don't know if I've got a transplant kidney in my uh, you know
1: yeah.
3: in the back of my truck and you know maybe it's nothing but you know um, cases of diapers but you never know right, right. <laughs> so so you, so then you're gonna have all kinds of everything and like as we all know you know money drives that machine right yeah not that I'm the conspiracy theorist or anything like that but <laughs> come on, guys,
0: listen, <laughs> we all know the, 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 what, what grease
3: is the really world
0: past the, yeah. <laughs> the tinfoil all hats around,
2: <laughs> they're filled with 30 on, they're already on. <laughs> nice, I like it. So, maybe you've heard about this, maybe you haven't. But, um, the Supreme Court is trying, I think today it's actually starting trials on uh, this case called Carpenter versus uh, the United States, and it's been brought up um, by this guy who was convicted of a string of armed robberies of radio shacks um, in the Midwest where he and a group of others were holding up Radio Shack, stealing a whole bunch of phones, trying to get these iPhones that were very valuable, and they went around to all sorts of different locations and would hold them up with guns and fill up laundry bags full of all these phones, uh, and then take them out and sell them, make money. And part of the way that he was caught was that the the cops found one of the guys and, and uh, arrested him, and then he flipped and gave all this information about who else was involved, uh, but the only but the way that they got real physical evidence to convict him was that they went to his cell phone company and said, Hey,, uh, we think that this guy might have been involved in a crime. Can you give us some records of what was going on with his cell phone during the time of these crimes? And it turns out that, they get the location data from the cell phone company and say, here's the first location. Hey, it looks like his phone was in the area. Here's the second radio stack that got held up. Hey, it looks like his phone was in the area. And that got held up. So it's just very concrete evidence that's very hard to refute in court. And so as a result, this guy got convicted, got you know, over 100 years in prison as being the ringleader of, or one of the ringleaders of this, this crime activity. Um, so this opens up a whole bunch of questions about whether the police can just go and ask for the data that companies have on you uh, without a warrant. Right. so the reason that this is going up to the Supreme Court is because they didn't use a warrant to get this data, mm-hmm. and you know, Fourth Amendment protects you from unreasonable searches and seizures. And the question is, is this exactly the same as uh, other things which police would need a warrant for to get lots and lots of information about, um, you know, your personal life and how you're how you're living your life, right? Some people say yes, some people say no, uh, but from a tech aspect, what's interesting about it is that you know, this data exists and it's just part of this huge network of personal data that a lot of different companies have about you. And so it's just kind of one small piece in the whole um, you know, electronic uh, privacy web that every time you interact with any piece of electronics or any piece of anything connected to the internet, there's some data that's going somewhere and sometimes it's collected, sometimes it's not. A lot of times it is and used in a lot of different ways. And there's all sorts of questions that that, that come up from that. In terms of who's, who's using it? How can they use it? Uh, how should they be using it? Um, so I, was, I started digging into this, and this is this is going to be sort of a very important case for electronic privacy. Your cell phone company is collecting your uh, location data, but in a lot of, or in my case at least, uh, Google is collecting it as well, and. Um, you know, you can go to you know, Google's privacy policy, and they'll say, "Oh, you know, we don't sell any of your information. We use it for, you know, making our services more useful to you." And it's true. Like when I'm at work at like five o'clock, it'll say, "Hey, you know, the time to get home today, right now, is forty-five minutes." So, um, does it at
1: five? You know, it doesn't it like ten a.m. Well, for me. It doesn't like, at random good. times. Like I'm some, here. Somebody, sometimes here in the, the, the down morning, down at some point, it'll <laughs> say, "Hey,
2: here's my time to get to work." <laughs> and Sometimes in the afternoon, it'll say, "Hey, here's your time to get home." Um, right. And so there's there's all sorts of ways where they can take the data and try to make it useful. Uh, and there's all sorts of ways where they try to take your data and try to protect it. So companies are thinking about some of these things. But
1: well, those are the big but, companies. Like, right. There's also and lots of little funny apps that. Uh, and even I mean, with the big companies, <laughs>
2: there's still there's still a lot, not a lot that people know or that people hmm. think about because. Most of the time, when you're using your your phone, your computer, you're not really thinking about oh, this data is going to this company, and this is what they're doing, this is how they're adding it uh, to their database, and this is how they're building a perf- profile of me and figuring out what they should be advertising to me or how, what they should be trying to sell, right? Mm-hmm. So all kinds of stuff is coming up, and that's a so that's related to a Supreme Court case that's going on right now.
0: Interesting. Yeah the the one thing I've wondered about with personal data is um, I remember five years ago or so there was a huge IP battle over. Kodak's patents, you know, when they went bankrupt and consortium of big tech companies got together and bought all the patents up to keep it out of the hands of like patent trolls that would use it for frivolous lawsuits. And I wonder with personal data that some site, they go belly up, is that treasure trove of personal data. Well, when, when they go belly up, I'm saying not all big tech companies do, but like if you have a huge treasure trove of personal data could there then be like this big battle over who gets that data because now it's unlocked from whatever you know yeah. don't be evil kind of strictures they had on it
1: right yeah why not I mean then just be like like the credit card company is like buy up your debts like why not I'll buy up all your data huh. interesting
0: yeah, it's something new to worry about.
2: yeah <laughs> yeah cool <laughs> well See? thanks for making me not able to sleep at night yeah it's, <laughs> stuff. I, I already got scared when Google stopped making their motto don't be evil no <laughs> like you know what, this is no longer our motto and I got I think I missed that. What did they change it to? Um, I don't know. That was a few years ago. I, don't, I think they, used, they didn't They didn't replace it with anything. <laughs> don't talk about Google Club. <laughs> <laughs> there was a,
0: a court case I remember using the EasyPass transponders. Um, I think yeah. it was uh, some crime, and they, they pegged the guy, like, you know, you got off at this exit. That was all admissible. It seems similar. It would be interesting. For
3: if someone was to create an app or a, some software something like that, that that would show you what information like it would build your profile based on your activities. Mm. Like it would monitor how you use your phone, how you use you know Google, everything like that, and the sole purpose is to build that profile to show you the information that potentially other vendors might have. It wouldn't know exactly, right? But it would show you like, hey, so, you know, based on two days of data, I know this about you. And then let people realize that, wow, I did not know so much of my information was out there.
0: Well, the EU had been looking at like a a digital bill of rights kind of for consumers along those lines. Um, Sandy Penland from MIT had been kind of pushing with European Union to kind of create this, you own your data, and if you choose to sell it to someone, that's that's okay. That's a transaction, but you you have like rights to your data.
2: Right. So there's a couple of interesting things. One is that with this particular Supreme Court case, part of the reason that the government felt they had justification for uh, getting access to this data and part of the, the kind of legal standard that currently operates that they can just go to a, company, a cell phone company and say, hey, what's that data, um, is because you've kind of willingly given like, data already to a third party. So it's this exception where... Um, you know, I've said, hey, here's some data about me uh, for you to use. And so if you've already given that away, it's the same as like police going to a witness or it's, uh, someone that you talk to and say, hey, what did this guy tell you? Right. So you've right. told the cell phone company, hey, I'm over here.
1: Yeah, but you're only permitting that one entity. Like if I knew I was like, dude, I mean, I'm just paranoid. But like I say yes to Google, I say no to the government. You know what I mean? Like right. I would yeah. never, ever say yes to like, sure, do. Jay, you can just track me. I mean they probably are. But yeah. like I would never willingly do like right. I trust well, maybe that's yeah. you know, in my own like so if I were to permit third party startup down the street that I'm giving my information to an app, that yeah. I actually trust that party to not be giving my information to somebody else. Exactly. Like that's where I guess I'm going wrong probably.
3: No, but actually you know that's a that's a really good point because that is I think like, like, Apple made a stance, right? Mm-hmm. And they said that we will never do this, and they've actually been on like on news and stuff like that to say, no, we don't share out this information.
2: So this is when the police had a cell phone of, uh, it, it, it's, of a it terrorist, was, I believe. Right? So, so right. there was
3: that case, but there, this is more... Uh, I think there was one more recent, but not as severe. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a general, like, you know, we don't do this, right? And we're going to stick by it. This is our motto, and we're making sure all this data is, is, uh, is never shared. Mm-hmm. And people who are, like... Hardcore Android fans, for example, said, well, you know, I respect Apple for that. Mm -hmm. And these are people before who were like, you know, I would never buy Apple because you're all sheep and blah, blah, blah. But now they're like, "Yeah, you know, (laughs) basically the idea is using that concept of, you know, Mm -hmm. data privacy as a marketing tool. Right. Right. You know, so so now that you're in our ecosystem, we are safe with us. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, that's one of the human requirements is to feel safe. Right. So that we can relax and. I enjoy life. You know,
0: it's interesting with the um, the data that they're profiling people with. If you look at sort of extrapolating it to the future, look at what's going on in, in China right now where they're creating uh, the social credit system. We're looking with uh, Sesame Credit, which is the financial wing of Alibaba, and they've got like 400 500 million users and they're taking all your data that you do from online activity and giving you a kind of trustworthiness score.
1: (laughs) So ridiculous.
0: (laughs) It's it's a little chilling.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So, so
3: okay. I I have to admit I'm not too familiar with like I've never bought anything on Alibaba or anything like that. But so so you get a rating based on your purchases and selling on Alibaba. No, it's it's
0: it's based on everything. So you send emails and you could be saying like, ah, oh, the government's horrible, you know, and things like that, and that'll like ding goes negative. So everything you do impacts on your social score.
3: The way people use social media sometimes to me looks. St- like, I cannot believe what people will post on social media. Like, like,
0: like podcasts,
3: <laughs> like, like yeah. podcasts Wait, you what you're saying. Yeah. But I mean, just the things that people will put online on like their Facebook or Twitter is like, like, you know, not that I. I condone committing crimes, but confessing of crimes, like ah, oh, look what I just did, and take pictures, and like you know, take the picture of the shout out next to like all the money you just stole and
2: a <laughs> pile of iPhones with a map of your location, right? So like, you don't think that people should be judged based on the crimes that they post on Facebook? No, well, of course they should be judged. They're, they're idiots. They
3: post their crimes on Facebook.
2: Well, then they should get a low social credit score. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's
3: that's my that's my point though. It, I mean, if they're posting things online, then you know they have a they have kind kind of a uh, <laughs> a conceptual requirement to understand that this is online. This right, is there are
1: consequences. Online. Right. So if you're thinking, so they, they were talking about emailing, like if you said, oh, the government sucks. That's, yeah. Now that's interesting. That's, like, I ever, once in a while, I mean, I think about that at work. Obviously, like, people aren't just, like, they could if they really wanted to. Like, yeah. they could go back and troll your emails and figure out what you say. But does that, I don't know. It's Well, really yeah, good. no,
2: actually... Part part of what's terrifying about this is that believe that it um this like social credit thing in China does take into account things like your loyalty to the state. Uh, so it <laughs> almost is a big brother type of yeah. How much are, how good are you to this country?
1: Yeah, well, dude, I would do, I would not. Be, that's what I was thinking. Even just for this country, like I would be. am kind of a rebel with everything. So like they, I wouldn't be. Scored highly. <laughs> like, I mean, well... I can't talk to you anymore. Never mind.
2: I love, I, I I love, love this country US and all. say, I heart yeah. Trump. Actually, as- yeah. so I just Googled China social credit um, to see what some of the top results are, articles. Of the top three results, uh, one of them is a Wikipedia article, but the other two are Big Data meets Big Brother as China Moves to Its Citizens and Black Mirror meets Reality. <laughs> <laughs> So these are some of the articles that are already. Uh, it's getting great, yeah. pretty obvious. I think that
0: where we would see it here in the U.S. is um, they're starting to use big data on your credit scores, so it can see like you know how much alcohol you consume or et cetera and then rate you in terms of how it impacts your your credit risk. So it makes sort of judgments on you based on purchases.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's actually a, a totally a tangential but slightly different, interesting topic about ethics and technology is when you have algorithms and machine learning that's, you know, based on data that's not supposed to be discriminatory, but at the end of the day, you know, you you wonder in what ways is it, right? When, when yep. people are developing big, big data algorithms that take, you know, location into account yep. or things like that, right? Yep. If you just happen to be living in an area that has more crime, then you can be, you know, you can get poor ratings on credit or other things like that. You know, it's just discriminating based on the characteristics of your neighborhood. And there's a whole bunch totally. of issues around that. Yeah. I picked up an Amazon Echo Dot, so that's mm-hmm. that's one thing I wanted to talk
3: about, but it relates to everything we've just been talking about. It's So, you know, I like it because I have some level of home automation, basically my lights, right? Mm-hmm. But now okay. that I have it, now I want to get more mm-hmm. home automation stuff, right? You know, oh, it'd be great if I could set my oven just by telling Alexa to do it. Mm-hmm. And oh, right there. And so basically, I wasn't really news related, but more of the uh, the money side. Like, for example, why hasn't Samsung really jumped into this considering they make like a ton of appliances. Mm. They make fridges, they make televisions.
1: Well, their TVs got super hacked. That's why. Oh. So they had like a bit. Yeah, there were a lot of like yeah. hacks in that, like smart TVs, oh, yeah. smart fridges, uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's also part of the appliance people know about deep learning. Like, so they have to have a whole new. I don't actually know how it works, but I mean, do it they exactly, would they have yeah. to hire new people? Like, they would they retrain up? Like, have new divisions that right. do this sort of thing? And
3: and I think you did. You, that's a perfect uh, like uh, example because now with what we learned with the the what's it called the data science you know, all these new data science positions, right? Or data analysts, right? It's the hottest thing right now because, you know, companies like, oh, we need someone to analyze data, right? Right. And not really knowing. It's desperate, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Mm -hmm. But they need those things now because now everything can use that data and access that data, Mm -hmm. right? And collect it for you. So now there's a whole kind of back to the whole ecosystem of what's listening to you, what, you know, what's doing. And where is that line for me as a consumer, for example, to get benefits out of this, knowing what I know about what that, how the data could be and might be used as for, mm. and you know what is going there. So I mean, like I like Alexa, but I unplug it at night. Mm. And even then, I'm kind of I'm kind of like, should I put it back in the box when I'm not around? And just like you know, when I need to do something, I'll just take it out, spend five minutes to just dig it up, set it up, and
0: just say, Alexa, what time is it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, we've gotten so much more efficient with our yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and I wonder if they'll start describing that behavior by having like a longer boot up cycle like artificially so then you're just like oh man it's going to take five minutes to start Alexa up again and I should just leave it plugged in yeah
2: well have you spent any time reading their privacy pl- Policies oh, or... no. <laughs>
3: Exactly. <laughs> I pretty much right. tell it all by secrets.
2: Yeah, so they're just listening to everything that you say in your house, and that's not affecting your credit score, which is going to affect your social credit rating, which means at the end of the day, your self-driving Tesla is going to drive you off a cliff so that you don't hit the 20 children <laughs> Good summary.
1: Good summary. <laughs>